You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today in studio, we are excited to have with us Brian Wathen, the owner of Red Sea Inspections. Red Sea Sewer, sewer Inspections. inspections. Yeah. I didn't know if that was... I couldn't remember. So I was looking over at my notes like, does sewer in there or not? And we get the, the, the pleasure of talking about the exciting topic of, of, of sewers and home purchases and inspections. And I'm, I'm a little tongue in cheek, but it is so critically important and just in general in home maintenance, sewers, et cetera, that people just frequently just don't even pay any attention to. So uh, thank you so much for being here. Glad to be here. And, and we, we really appreciate it. And, uh, and I can say, you know, I've, we use you for our inspections, or at least I do, and I know Jen does as well. As a matter of fact, you were just doing one for Jen the other day, right? Yeah, we took a look at one for her. And uh, I, I love the way you talk with clients and you share with them everything that's going on. So you do a great job. Thank you very much for that. Let's dig right into this. Right. Let's, yeah, let's dig right. <laughs> let's dig right into this shit. All right, here we go. Uh, okay, um, sewer lines. So, just the real sort of uh, they're they're important. Let's talk about what they do because sometimes people hear the word sewer and plumbing and they have they literally have no clue, which is fine. Not everybody is pays that much attention to the systems of your house, but. I mean, when you flush a toilet or drain a sink or uh, run your dishwasher, that water has to go somewhere. Yes, for every drop of water that comes into the house, it has to leave the house. Um, you know, I've been in this industry as far as sewer repair, sewer replacement, and now specifically just sewer inspections for for several years. Uh, and it's kind of like insurance. It's, it's not something you, you see, you feel, you touch, but when you need it and it's not there – you quickly realize how important it is. When, when it's not working, uh, it can create a whole kinds of problems. So let's. So this is. Think of this, and there'll be a clean out in your house, which will be access to the sewer line that goes. Should be not always, but should be. And, and certainly in any of the modern houses, but maybe yes. an older one might that that a a clean out might need to be installed. But, um, and this then gives you access, or at least the the access from the house, and the pipe runs from some kind of piping will run from the house underground to, uh, and we're not going to worry, we're going to do a whole nother session at some point on um, um, whatever it is I'm trying to think of. Septics? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Septic tanks and lagoons and all of that. So we're going to stick with you know city sewer type stuff. That pipe runs all the way to a main sewer pipe that the city maintains. How much of that am I responsible for? Typically, uh, in most cities, uh, you're responsible from the home to the city main. There are cities, and, and I don't want to speak out of line because they can change their ordinances and their you know their plans uh, over time. Sure. And believe me, they do. When you're in the when you're in the field of working on them, you have to stay on top of that. But as an inspector, I don't. But there are some cities that have an easement or a right of way that they will uh, take responsibility of the line. But typically, it's from the home to the city main. And, and and that frequently, if not re regularly, includes the connection to the main as well, correct? That's kind of a gray area. It's gray? Yeah, it's okay. kind of a gray area. Um, and so uh, if anything happens in that line, frequently, homeowner is responsible for it. And, and that 
really scares a lot of homeowners because you're thinking like, how do I get to that line? Is the, the yard has to be dug up. This is heavy equipment. This all of a sudden becomes a much bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. If you're if you're having like the the worst kinds of problems, let's talk about what can happen. Let's let's talk about the the negative effects because then we will get into maybe we'll scare people into doing some maintenance maybe or, or so. There what, you go. What are the bad things that happen if you have breaks and blockages inside of your house? Well, you know, one of the things um, it's kind of like it, a sewer line can be like like your health that if you catch something the earlier you catch something. Most likely, the less expensive it's going to be to repair it and the less damage it's going to do to your home. Um, it can get real nasty real fast. So we're, we're talking about essentially flushing in the water is not going anywhere. Are we talking about backing up? What are we talking about? Well, it's, that, that's the problem. It's going somewhere. What people don't realize, here's what happens. Um, like before, prior to my inspection time, Someone would call and say, hey, uh, I think my sewer line's backed up. And you'll say, well, what's going on? Well, you know, uh, my kitchen sink, it's just I can't get it to drain. And uh, you'll ask them questions going on like, well, are your toilets flushing okay? Is your washing machine working okay? And if they say yes, then it's not their sewer main. It's, a, it's what they call a branch line because inside the home, everything that has water to it, that has plumbing to it, it's kind of like being in a neighborhood and you have all the side streets but they all lead out of the neighborhood to a main road. And so everything leads to that sewer main leaving the house to go out. Now, a lot of times it'll be what you would call a branch line backup, maybe a toilet, maybe a laundry line, a floor drain. But when it's a sewer line, nothing is working properly because... Your garage might end up with all of this amazing water in it. <laughs> I can actually it tell It ain't you, amazing either, is it? It is not. The, the most disgusting thing in my career of this, I actually walked into a house uh, of someone and I, I couldn't believe that they hadn't noticed the smell, but when the door was open, it was overwhelming. And to go into their basement, you, you, would, had to, you would have to have put like rubber boots on. We it need was, some muck boots. I think I may know this house. <laughs> um, I've been to one like this, believe it or not. It's it, it's terrible. Yeah. So so when we talk about the sewer lines, because it's people think, well, that's buried under the earth. There's nothing I can do about it. And we're going to talk about things you can do. But what are the kinds of things? What kind of damage happens? How does how does the sewer line go bad? What are the things that happen? That's a great question. You see. Uh, Historically, with homes, when you get back prior to 1980, 1980 is kind of a pivot point in in codes and in technology and stuff. Prior to that, typically, and again, it's not an absolute, but typically what you would find is the underground plumbing under the foundation of the house would be cast iron. And the problem with cast iron over time is it gets scaling and corrosion in it. All cast iron does is, if you don't believe me, just set a cast iron skillet out on the back porch and go out tomorrow and look at it, and it'll have rust developing already just from the moisture in the air. Well, if that pipe never dries, it's continually having corrosion take place on it. So that was cast iron underneath the house. And there are times when you'll see cast iron that goes all the way to the city main. It's not common, but it does happen. And once you get outside of the house, typically what would take place at that point prior to 1980 would be what they call clay tile. And... Sure. Clay tile gets a bad rap from people, and the reason is they, they think it's terrible. It actually was a good product. Um, it's just nothing lasts forever, and we need to keep that in mind. If you if you think that there's not very many houses past the early 80s, we'll say the early 80s, that have had clay tile installed, and here we are 40 years later, 
and now people are having to address that. Um, that that's that's a short span for the life of a lot of clay tile forty years, but a lot of those you see from the from the turn of the century, like you know the the tw- yeah. and in the twenties and stuff. The They've clay been tile. in service a hundred yeah. years plus. Uh, yeah. yeah, and um, that's that's not a bad time span for something to last. But what happens is uh, typically what's characteristic of a, a clay tile line is they're, they're joined together and they kind of have a, like a male-female connection on it. Sure. And there's a seal that's in there. There's, there's a couple of different ways that they're sealed, but they're sealed together. And over time, what usually happens is that seal will go bad. Then it will start to leak. Here's another big mis- misconception that a lot of people have. They think that s- roots penetrate a sewer line. They do not. I would have thought that. So. They do not. They do not penetrate a properly functioning, properly uh, constructed sewer line because it's not leaking. Roots search for water and nutrients, and what's inside that sewer line is liquid fertilizer. Sure. And so once that pipe starts to leak around those joint sections or possibly a crack, now that, that is seeping out into the ground, creating moisture, and then the roots are drawn to that moisture. Now, they don't cause the problem, but they sure complicate the problem because— they're more than eager to come to the party. And once they get there, uh, people think, well, all you got to do is just have your line snaked and problem goes away. It doesn't. What are roots? Roots technically are, are like limbs, but they're below ground. Right. And when you, if you have flowers or trees and you trim the, the, the branches, what happens when sure. you prune a tree? They're going to grow back. Yeah. And they're going to grow back thicker and stronger. Yeah. And that's what happens in a sewer line. Now, that's not to say that you can't, snake a line and keep on going but over time and it it varies from line to line they just will progressively get thicker and stronger into that line and they will eventually cause the line to crack or break because they get enough force it's just like what you see roots do to sidewalks i mean there there comes a point where if there's enough root infestation it it will do damage well i would think right if they're working their way through essentially a, a crack in a seal and they get thicker and thicker and thicker, they're eventually going to expand that crack and maybe even crack the piping itself. Toilet yeah, paper's probably yeah. not going through that. No, it's not. It's not. Okay, so the, this is these are so, so um, seals weakening over time, uh, then the invasion of roots. So it's not starting with the invasion of roots. I would have guessed the latter, so thanks for the education. But um, then, uh, so now we've got this, this intrusion into our line, if it's gone on for a long time, we could have collapses of certain parts of the line. We're having to do a repair. But we'll come back to maintenance. But if I am having to repair, which I'm assuming is, let's call it digging up the front yard. It may not be the front yard, but we all get the idea. How, how horribly expensive do these get? Because I know this is terrifying to a lot of homeowners. Well, it, it is a major expense. Um, you know, everything deter- that determines the cost of a sewer line – and by the way, there are there is technology now where they have like epoxy liners. They do what they call pipe bursting. There are ways to minimize the destruction to get to the line, and um, so there's some offsets there. But um, a lot of things come into play. Is that line underneath sidewalks? Is it underneath trees, um, or is it underneath uh, underground utilities? Uh, there, there's a lot of factors. And how deep is it? Uh, right. Where does it go? Underneath streets is a big one. Um, because if it's underneath a street, if you don't have the equipment and the technology to, to pull a line underneath that road or put an epoxy liner through that, um, then you're cutting a city street, and then that opens a whole other can of worms. Yeah, you don't want to have to do that, so, especially if it's in Kansas City. Yeah. Woo, 
we? So, well, so you were prior to being an inspector, which is why you're a great inspector. You did a lot of this work, or worked for companies, or with companies that did a lot of this work. G- give me a range of hey, I've had to go in and replace portion or a, a large extent. I mean, is this from five thousand to fifty thousand? Is this from two hundred to you know two thousand? What is what is kind of what are people looking at? Well, you know, I mean, the cheapest sewer repair from somebody that would be a legitimate sewer repair person. And that's another thing about the industry is you truly do get what you pay for because there are a lot of people that claim to to be in that business, but um, do they stand behind their work? Are they efficient with their work and things like that? But if you took like a house that was on a crawl space or a slab, that line's going to be real shallow outside. And so if you have a spot repair and that, Mm -hmm. that means where they just cut a section of the line out and replace it. I mean, you can, you can reasonably expect with a reputable company that, Right. To start out somewhere, you know, close to two thousand dollars on okay. that. I mean, nobody's nobody's yeah. asking right. for a bid, right. but people need a. Now, let's say it's a, it's it's an ugly mess, and you've got to do some digging. Let's not talk about like city streets or anything, but but you're really trenching out and you're replacing a lot. How expensive does that get? The most expensive sewer line that I was ever that I can remember being involved with was about fifty eight thousand dollars. Okay. So they, that would be uncommon for all of our that listeners. Is, that, that is yes. going to be the exception, not the rule. When he started talking about the first, I've had to do many of these repairs over yes. the course of my career, and that two thousand dollar number that you said, you know, that's going to be basically. I've paid a little under that before, and it's been with a name, brand name contractor per sure, se. Sure, sure. But I've also paid, you know, two thousand to three thousand has been. Very, very consistent for me in the repairs that I've done over my tenure at 22 years, three. I can't remember now. Don't ask me anybody. It's 20 some odd years. You know, you know, the, but I'm only 25. <laughs> <laughs> you're only you're only five years older than me. Oh, that's right. You know, that that to, to let people know that was a line that was in Johnson County that went underneath a swimming pool, underneath a, a concrete storm sewer and then was on in the neighbor's property on the other side and it was extremely deep and it was very complicated to to deal deal with that one was extremely expensive extremely complicated you just said swimming pool that just adds cost right there yeah. <laughs> uh, you just to say the words and the price goes up yeah but well, but i mean I, your, we, your average you know average um you know for an average sewer line and again i'm talking when i say average uh, let's say uh, the typical residential neighborhood, right. like what we're in now in, in Kansas City, most sewer lines run usually somewhere between 70 to 100 feet in total length. Okay. And the majority of the time, from it, you can get those uh, replaced. Uh, I'm talking about complete replacement. Sure. Uh, companies with warranties and everything else. And I'm, I know there are some right. that are cheaper, but those can range anywhere from 5000 to 10000 And that's okay. a pretty safe window for pe- people to say, if all things are created equal, I, I'll probably land some, that, somewhere in that scale. Well, so that's good to know because I, I think when you say – and not that that's chump change, but that, you know, um, is and, – and there's lots and lots of people out there – probably myself included, that don't have five or $10,000 lying around. However, it's not like this, this house is trashed kind of money. It's, it's, it's going to be a big punch to the gut for most people, but it's not necessarily going to roll them under. And I think it's really important that – I think a lot of people have a block that once you get heavy equipment involved, like a digging tool in a yard, that the prices are just astronomical. And so I think it's really good just to give people an idea of what we're talking about. So 
Um, let's um, let's go into a little bit about maintenance. Um, and I know after your inspections, you recommend a lot of different maintenance regimens. So what are some of the things that we can be doing to maintain? And then, um, you know, even if we have uh, gotten an inspection or we understand that there's been some intrusion or whatever, what are some of the solutions that aren't that invasive? Well, maintenance is is a, a I, w- I wouldn't use the word maintenance. Now, there are some things that you can do yourself. One of the things that a lot of people do is they'll use a product called copper sulfate, and you can get that at hardware stores and stuff, and they will put that in their uh, floor drain or in their um, uh, clean-out access, uh, and it does, it does kill and retard the roots. Um, it depletes oxygen. And the problem with copper sulfate is if you have Cast and some people. Another thing that works well is people will use rock salt, but then again, that doesn't hurt the clay, but it's hard on the cast iron if you have cast iron. Rock salt is corrosive by nature. It is, right? Yeah. And and you know there are there are products like um, there are foaming root removers and stuff. And do those things work? Yes, but they are certified in a lab in a petri dish which means that you're taking that product, you're putting it on a root, and it's sitting there, and it's staying there. Um, Typically what happens, though, is people will put any of the products that we've just talked about into their their sewer line, and then, you know, maybe within an hour or two they flush a toilet or— Go take an hour-long shower. Yeah, do some laundry, or the next morning they get up, and they've just flushed it down into the city main. So not much of it stays where it's at. And then the other thing that that is— the reality is a lot of root intrusion is on the side of the pipe and on the top of the pipe. It just, it seems like you get a lot of root intrusion there. And when you put stuff like that in the line, you're banking on putting that through a floor drain, a, a liquid uh, or a product like that in a floor drain sure. and, ha- and and banking that it's going to get to the exact spot in that sewer line where it needs to get and stay there and coat the, the roots in that area to do its job. And it's going to be in the bottom half of the pipe, and the roots are at the top half. Well, yeah, and there are roots in the bottom of a pipe, too, but there's it seems to be a lot more on the sides sure. than the top. So yeah. a lot of times they just get uh, dusted. I guess I'll use that word with it a little bit. Right. Sprinkled. Um, and um, so a lot of your money is going down the drain. Sure. <laughs> Literally. And Literally. I liked your analogy earlier because essentially when you talk about your health, and you talk about a prescription. This is a lot like a prescription, right? You're going to put something down the drain and you're going to hope that it does these things. However, you need to be aware that it has side effects because it could corrode the line or it could. And if you don't know what your line is, and most people probably don't, they probably don't know what their line is unless they've had you out and you've told them. But they're going to use a product without the knowledge of what the side effects of it may be. Well, you know, you're exactly right. And when you take that back to it, whether you do anything of if, – if you've got a backed-up sewer line and you call a, a plumber out to snake your line or to hydrojet your line, your, your line is backed up and they do the procedure, it opens up, it flows freely, all they did was they removed the symptoms. They, that does not fix anything. That's another big misconception that people think is – now it's fixed. No, now it's working again, but they didn't fix anything. They just took away the symptoms. They removed the roots or whatever caused it. Um, and, you know, if it is something from a mechanical failure in the line, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when that will return. Now, that being said, it may be several years down the road, but it could be 
a few months. Well, you to might... be fair, it could be bacon grease. Well, and that's not going to be the same probably issue. Right, that's I mean, a human if, error. If, but if it's something you've done where you've jammed the line and they're able to to free the bacon yes. grease, it, then, which then, is then. a pain in the butt. But but also what I'm hearing, tell me if I'm wrong though. Like if I have a root intrusion problem that's creating some blockage, um, I might be able to buy some time. Yes, by having a flight and then maybe even do that again in whatever the six ap- months, six ish. months a year, whatever it is. And so that might be a way to sort of limp a system along until I'm in a position to actually do a full repair. Oh, absolutely. It, it can, but there's no rhyme or reason to when that line will, will, go fail, to, completely. will fail completely. But Well, there could be if they put the inappropriate thing down the toilet, right. because then it's going to happen a whole lot faster. <laughs> right. You know, and it's funny you say that. The the worst I, I ever experienced on that, it was a time I had sold this family, and they were an Italian family, and I had just... The week of Thanksgiving, we installed a complete new sewer line for them. And she calls me the day after Thanksgiving, and she was livid. And she had every right to be. She just spent money for a brand-new sewer line. And she goes, I spent all this money, and I did not want to have this problem happen again. Sure. I said, I'll be over. So I went over there. Um, The company I worked for, we sent a drain tech over. So I got to talking to her. I said, Anything different? I mean, did we just come out of Thanksgiving? Did you have a big gathering here? And she said, well, yes, we did, but why does that matter? And I said, it doesn't. You know, we're just we're just trying to grasp at straws here. And um, the drain techie snaked the line, and it opened up. And it was hard to, to get it to open up. And when he pulled it back, there was pasta on his equipment. And I said, I said, did, did you do anything out of – ordinary over the weekend. So I'm just trying to figure this out because we're trying to get the line to flush out. And then you could just see pieces of pasta coming out around the access. Uh, it was a floor, uh, floor clean out and it was coming out around there. And she said, well, you know, the ladies were in the kitchen yesterday and we were all talking. We got distracted and we overcooked a, a pot of pasta. So we put that down the disposal Woo-wee. and then um, a whole pot of pasta and pasta is it worst is. thing you can put down there, which would be sort of a a, a uh, probably a mainstay of an Italian Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I'm not. I mean, it, it, pasta and hair do not mix, friend. <laughs> pasta and hair. <laughs> well, I mean, I could tell you uh, a lot of times. Okay, so my I have a fair amount of rental property. Most people on this podcast know that. But the top three things that I get calls on: bacon grease, pasta, and hair. And if it's pasta and hair, whoo wee. Well, you know, it's it's funny you say that because a lot of people say, well, turn the hot water on and you could pour hot grease down the sink with hot water on. What? It, I'm, by I, the t- before I'm it afraid leaves, to tell you what I do now, but go ahead. The, the reality is before that grease leave, leaves the house, that water and grease both have cooled down enough that it's starting to solidify. Uh-huh. And don't put grease under any circumstance down any drain. Ever. I don't recommend anything to go down the drain. <laughs> this is a regular conversation other than water. And toilet paper that is meant to be going down the drain. And, of course, your bodily excretions here. But short of that, nothing else goes in the freaking toilet drain. Don't put toothbrushes down there. My God, the things that you've probably found, I can and, only imagine. And here's another uh, piece of information, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm speaking from experience. There is no such thing as a flushable wipe. They do oh, not exist. amen to that, brother. They Woo! do not exist. <laughs> For them, for them to call them flushable wipes, that they, should be illegal. By the way, they 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 do have to dissolve in water, and they will. And it takes, I mean, uh, it takes a, a period of time for them to dissolve. What, ten years? <laughs> I, 
I've heard like like that they'll do it like in some of them might in like twelve hours and or a couple days. I don't know about that, but toilet paper. This is really gross, but <laughs> toilet paper dissolves. I mean, if you if you just took uh, like a, a Tupperware dish right. and filled it with water and then took a wad of toilet paper and dropped it in there, it would dissolve to a point that you could not pick it up with your hand right. in about 45 seconds. It would be that point that, that – 45 seconds. Well, hey, Eric, you want to try an experiment? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to go get a roll of toilet paper. You all have to wait for a minute. No. <laughs> um, well, no, that's that's good to know. And, I, you know, and I'm just thinking through, you know, uh, there are, I, I can imagine there are a lot of people who are maybe listening to this going, well, what do I do with my bacon grease? Because – They've always done that, and then they weren't around when Grandma was putting it in an old the cool— The bacon grease can, I still do that. Bacon grease can, the old Cool Whip container, whatever it is, yeah. So anyway— well, We use our bacon grease, so— Right, and a lot of, pe- a lot of people do. I mean, I do that, too. Yeah, you, you, you know what's funny, with. Eric? And yeah. You have cats. So if we leave bacon grease out on the stove, my cat will get up there once it's cooled up and help herself. you got to oh, watch yeah. this cat. Wow. She's uh, that cat loves butter and bacon grease, man. Butter and bacon grease to the kitty. It's crazy cat. All right, so let's let's jump into what you're doing now, which is I think critical to uh, a home buyer when they start thinking about home inspections, because we we pretty much I think have painted a very strong picture that you really need to know that you're walking into a system that doesn't need immediate maintenance. So to do that, you call a, a during your home inspection period, and it's frequently an, uh, an add-on because I know you work yeah. with uh, the traditional whole home inspector, but they can also call you direct. Sure. Um, sure. And we'll we'll do numbers here in, in a little bit, but they they call somebody up to say, hey, go take a look at this line and tell me when I'm up against. So tell me how that process works and the information that comes out of it. Well. On a, on a home inspection, you know, obviously we'll, we'll camera the line from the home to the city main. Um, and, and you're looking for, um, you know, you're looking for mechanical failures of, uh, you know, crap. You're, you really want to look at, uh, there are red flags that that really should be uh, become a conversation between the agent and their buyer, uh, which is out of my lane as far as that goes. I'll give them the information, but then they need to have a conversation. If there's a crack in that line, a break in that line, something like that, you need to have that conversation of how we're going to move forward. Now, um, that's where um, I, I think that there's some of the things that I will also share with people are some of the options. One of the best things you can do is carry sewer line insurance. Yeah, so I said I have this here to, it, as a note to definitely spend it, some time on. So yeah, go so ahead, well, jump well, in. Well, here's the thing. It, anything can be fixed. Anything can be be uh, replaced. I mean, so... You know, I I don't think it should should kill a deal for a buyer. For some, it does if they can't come to terms. But you got to remember, I before I went into inspections, I had to sell sewer lines. Right. Nobody wants to buy a sewer line. (laughs) So, what I typically do when I when I am there with a buyer and their agent, uh, which you know usually the the buyer's agent is on site, is if there's a problem, a good one is anyway. And it lo- let's say it looks like the line needs to be replaced. Then what I do at that point, I mean, I, I don't tell them, I don't say time out. I'm going to take my inspector hat off and put my sales hat on. But that's what I do in my head. I switch to the mode that I would have been in when I was dealing with consumers that needed a new sewer line. You know, so let's say we're in a neighborhood that's built in the 1960s. Okay, hey, you've come this far in the process. You like the house enough that you've put an offer in. You're, you're in the inspection process. I mean, 
you're here, for, you're all here for a reason. So there are options here. I mean, if, if something needs immediate attention, you know, we'll talk about that. And, but what I'll, I will share with them is give them the, the picture of, so let's say you go ahead and replace this whole sewer line, which you weren't expected to do. But what you have done at that point is you've, you've raised the value of your house over everyone in that neighborhood that has original sewer lines. Because if, if you or Jen have, have a house that you're put on the market in, in a 1960s era home and, and that buyer says, hey, we had this sewer line replaced last year. It has a 15-year warranty with it. You're going to put that in the, the features and benefits of the home. New sewer line with the house has been replaced and a 15-year transferable warranty or whatever the warranty may be. Sure. But now as a buyer coming in, that's just something on the checklist that I don't have to worry about for quite some time. Right. Shouldn't have to worry about. Yeah. And you, you've raised the value. And, and then also you're moving into a home and now that now you know what you got and how long you've had it. And there's some peace of mind of knowing that we're not going to be dealing with this problem. Right. Certainly not anytime soon. Right. Let, let's go back into, though, the insurance aspect of it, because I, I've listened to you discuss that. And I discuss that with clients when we're not engaging you. Uh, you've educated me on that really well, at least I hope. <laughs> so let, let's let's talk to the people out there, because if you live in Kansas City, for example, you will constantly get mailers from the city of Kansas City going, hey, you should buy sewer line insurance from us. So talk about options and what you think people should be doing. Okay, well, uh, I apologize in advance to the city of Kansas City for what I'm about to say. <laughs> now, I'm going back to when I was in the hey, business. your opinion. <laughs> say whatever you want. This is an opinion, but here's my experience in doing repairs and replacements, they call the insurance that they offer on the utility bills, and a lot of cities do that, but it's really not insurance. And, and the reason it's not is because it's not regulated by the insurance industry. And Ooh. and we, we all hate regulations, but they're in place for a purpose. There are reasons why there are, are regulations on the insurance industry. So my experience in dealing with not, I shouldn't say Kansas City, cities in general, because there's a lot in the metro area. Oh, no, no, no. I yeah. believe Kansas City is way worse than a well, lot of them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of cities will offer that, so. You know, actually, the the most success that I have had dealing with the city is with the city of Independence. Interesting. They uh, they are, are quick to respond, quick to give an answer. I think that when you work for the the bigger cities, which Independence is pretty big. It's probably the second largest in, in the metro, isn't it's it? Second or third. Uh, OP might be bigger. But the, but they they don't do that. They are very quick to respond, and they may not give you the answer that you want, but they're going to give you an answer. Well, they just got a good system going. And uh, so that yeah. But but there are other options other than buying your insurance from the city. So on 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 a city utility bill, uh, this is a, a general estimation, but it's pretty close. It's about a hundred bucks a year. Maybe okay. somewhere around there. And so you're a homeowner and you have this plan through the city and now you're having problems. As long as they can get your line open, they consider it, let's move on. You know, th th if the line's open, they're not going to excavate. Right. I have dealt with people that lines will not stay open for more than a day or two and it's backed up again. But if a plumber can get that line open the city's not going to do anything because what happens when a line gets so bad, it's kind of like pulling a straw out of a milkshake and you can just watch the hole where the straw was just close up. Right. That's kind of what happens when they get that far gone that they need mechanical repair. Uh, but once it does come to the point that they do mechanical repair, they don't care what your yard looked like when they got there and they don't care what it looks like when you left, when they leave. 
They're coming in, they're digging, they're fixing the pipe. Have a nice day. That's my experience with them. It looks like it looks like a war zone after they've left. And when you use a reputable contractor, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll get you'll get a lot more things like th- they'll put it back to light condition or very close to it, depending on how how that that process is worked out. Now, when you go to and also when you're dealing with the city, you have no say over who's coming to do the work. A lot of a, a lot of times I've seen it be city employees, you know, that work for the city, and I've also seen them use subcontractors, and it may vary depending on where you live, but so you'll have more control over who's doing the work. But to get to that point, because you don't really want to be out of pocket, you can carry an insurance outside of the cities. Yes, there are some there are some uh, programs online that offer sewer line uh, insurance, which is better than what you get through the city. But the best coverage that you can get from my experience is carrying a rider policy through your homeowner's insurance. And now they have the, there are, there are different types of rider policies for a lot of things. You need to talk to your insurance agent because some people get confused because they because they they get a rider policy for sewer backup. And my experience is that, that there there are, with, with some companies, and it could vary from company to company, but a sewer backup rider policy is not the same as a sewer line, line policy. Okay. But when, when you carry a rider policy through your homeowner's insurance, and I recommend this to every person that I, that I do business with because, one, it's very affordable, believe it or not, for insurance. The last time I checked, you're probably around $200 annually, not monthly, but annually. But here's the thing. If, 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 if I am your insurance agent and your insurance provider and you have a sewer line policy and you have a sewer line backup and you make a claim and I don't address that claim and address it in a timely manner, um, I've got a vested interest in this property because I'm insuring the property itself. So they want to get it fixed and fixed right because they don't want the the Bigger after effects. to come. Right, yeah. well, they don't want the backups. It's, it's the same concept of a roof. They want to fix yeah. the roof because they don't want to have to deal right. with the con- dealing with the contents. It, it's kind of like you go back to the whole medical thing. The earlier you catch it and fix it, the better off you're going to be. And what I, my experience with dealing with the insurance companies are, it's kind of like if you get in an auto wreck, hey, we need you to go out and get two or three estimates for this. But now you're picking your contractor, you're picking your terms, and you're so you have you have some more say in what more, goes on. More control. Yeah. Yeah. And so just like the last client that you um, did a sewer inspection for for uh, one of my clients, um, we went through that process. And and what's funny is is they went and talked to their insurer, and their insurer adds sewer line as part of the base policy. So they didn't even have to pay for a rider. But it was, it was really great. It was the first time I'd heard of that. But it was really great that, you know, we were able to say, hey, go check this out. This is worth the $15 a month or whatever it is. Um, we're running out of time. So uh, I want to ask you, and maybe we've already covered it because you've given us a couple of examples. But I always ask everybody, like, what's the craziest thing you've seen? And, and let's keep it to residential. Well, the craziest thing I've seen, I mean uh, – Two things. One, I was doing an inspection on Troost Avenue and witnessed a crime in action and the police coming and stuff. I'm like, I do not want to be a witness to this. Luckily, I wasn't asked any questions and I got out of there. That's not the crazy. I, I, another one that's, that's right there with it. I, I, there was a lady out of town buying a house for her daughter. And I don't know how the sausage was made, but we did not one, not two, not three, but four inspections for this lady because she backed out in the inspection process down to the fourth house 
it just blew my mind. That's that was bizarre to me. That, I'm like, that is a little. I I I don't. Jen, have, have you ever had clients like four? I could even once. Mm. I definitely see twice. I can see, but four times. I don't think I've had a four timer myself. That does. That is crazy. But you know, we didn't have some serious conversations. And now, if there are significant issues, yeah, but, if you just you know, get unlucky four times in a row. I suppose that, yeah, that's possible. But well, uh, I want to give some credit to her agent. I guess from this standpoint, as a buyer, she the, the 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 second one that we went to, she came in town for the inspection, and she showed up and she said, "I don't like that busy road, and I don't like those commercial buildings, and." Right in the middle of the inspection, she says, this is not going to work for my daughter. And I, I thought to myself, would you not look or consider those things before you put an offer in? But who knows? I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's out of my wheelhouse. But I thought, it, it, you know what? And she never – she never. It, it was like no big deal to her, you know. And by the time we got to the fourth one and it was – I felt sorry for her, and I, you know that agent well, really I, earned I, her money. I, well, the other there's thing, a lot of factors here. Yes, yeah. budget. There's location. There's but, lots of things we could unpack in that whole piece just right there. But I would think you're doing a FaceTime, and maybe this is longer ago than that. But with my out of town buyers, I typically try and do a FaceTime, and yes, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to pan that outside. That's going to be one of the first things that we do. Is hey, I want to pan you around outside. Here's the street, here's the buildings, here's whatever, and then we're going to go inside. If you're prior to that time, I could see where if you don't have Google Maps and there's a lot of factors there, could be complicated to get to that point. So It I is mean, pretty crazy, and I, and, I, and I will say that just from the real estate perspective, another concern that I would have in that overall scenario is, is that agent really needed to be, after finding out, like there's some other criteria here that we have, that because when you... If you back out of an inspection just because you're uncomfortable with something different, which is a really bad thing to do because that really stigmatizes that house. It's really unfair to the sellers. But anyway, well, four times, just regardless of circumstance, is crazy. I agree with that. Well, I'll tell you the coolest thing I ever saw. Uh, it was down south of the plaza in, in those nice historical homes. Did an inspection there that had a speakeasy in the basement, and it was historically preserved yeah and so we went down there it had terrazzo floors but the bar the seats even the liquor bottles and the glasses from that era that that were in the house were still there and there was an article on the wall that was framed from the kansas city star from the early 80s about this oh and had had some pictures up there and all that stuff was still there so and it even had an escape door uh nice it was really neat to see all right very nice all right. Well, we're running out of time. So, so Brian, uh, uh, give us contact information so people, if they want to get a hold of you, schedule an inspection, tell their uh, agent about you. Like, I want Brian to come do my, my scope and tell me about what's going on. How do they get a hold of you? Well, you know, the easiest way and for the quickest response is either to call or text. Uh, and my phone number for Red Sea inspect, uh, Sewer Inspections is 816-536-8214. Uh, you can email me at Brian, that's with an I, Brian at RedSeaInspections.com. But the fastest response is text or email. I mean, excuse me, text or phone. Excellent. Excellent. Well, once again, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I- I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have. As shitty as it's been, it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, another great podcast from WLKC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. 
For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.